0: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. Welcome
1: to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Belisai. I'm here in my home studio recording right next to my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey,
2: Matt. Yeah, it's true. You are fully screaming in my ears.
1: Just how you
2: like it. Oh my it. God. Don't you love my voice right now? Me, 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 me. Okay. Hey, me, me, me. That <laughs> sounds so horrible i know i think it sounds super sexy but listen it's not because i'm sick it's because i'm very cool and was screaming at a phoebe bridgers concert and then went to disneyland and was screaming on roller coasters you should have heard me on monday jk you wouldn't be able to have because i could not speak
1: sounds great Uh, even though i was not invited and actually you were fully invited you just were in phoenix we were like just fly to
2: la fly to la and you were like i'm busy
1: I probably could have because apparently the only fucking airplanes that leave from the Phoenix airport leave at either 4 in the morning or 10 p.m. (laughs) And I... Was like, well, I'm not getting up at four in the morning, so I took the red eye flight from Phoenix back to New York at 10 p.m. Got into New York at 6 a.m. My entire day and the next day was absolutely shattered. Absolutely
2: fucked. Yeah, I was. No. I've
1: never felt more out of my GD mind <laughs> than after that red eye flight. I've taken red eyes before, but that one fucked me up, and I'm still reeling.
2: Oh well, I'm glad we're both in the state of mind. Um, so sorry about my voice. Also, by next week it's probably going to be even more destroyed. You know why?
1: Because I'll have punch you in the throat.
2: Halloween. So we're recording this the Thursday before Halloween. Mm -hmm. This episode will be coming out after Halloween. Right. And in between that time, we will be unveiling our incredible costumes, Mm -hmm. which we can talk about here, which is... Barb and Star. Barb and Star go to Vistel Del Mar.
1: We're totally original. Nobody else has ever done this before. Okay.
2: I do just want to point out that like we're so accurate with our costumes. We put in so much effort. I made a necklace. We have the charm bracelets. Uh We have our evening culottes. And I do want to shout out. There was one listener who like over a month ago. Commented on some post. I don't even think it had to do with Halloween, but was like, "Are you guys going to go as Barb and Star? And if so, where are you going to get your evening culottes?" And listen, you know us well, and we love you. And I'm just, I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah, this is by far the most effort I have ever put into a Halloween costume. Not an exaggeration. By far the most effort. Uh, I don't think I've ever really tried at a Halloween costume. Famously, I've said on the pod before that I am a big fan of the of the pre-packaged costume but we we found the exact shirts that they were wearing oh yeah old maybe <laughs> thank you um but they're not currently sold so we had to like go into the deep internet
2: oh there's a lot of ebay and etsy I was on, searches like, in QAnon my history
1: community boards
2: <laughs> q surfing huge fan base of barb and star in q a huge crossover yeah um but I, I
1: have purchased, not not a lie, and I'm forcing myself to return them, um, <laughs> five pairs of culottes <laughs> in my attempt to find the one pair that was actually right.
2: Five pairs of culottes. I thought you were going to say five wigs because we also, have also five bought wigs. five wigs. Listen, we're taking this very seriously and we're really excited about it.
1: Yeah. But and. now I'll have a big wig collection. Um, for all types of characters (laughs) including middle aged -aged woman I sent a picture of the Barb and Star costume or the Barb and Star picture to my mom because she was like where are you going as Uh she had never heard of Barb and Star obviously but she (laughs) she literally said are you the tall one with the kind of reddish hair and I was like yes obviously and she was like you'll kind of look like a skinnier me (laughs) 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 and I realized yeah Barb and Star are just my mom (laughs)
2: Oh, I love it. I love it so much.
1: Yeah. But also, we're going to Harry Ween, we which are. is the horrible name of the <laughs> Harry Styles Halloween concert. I have no idea what it actually is going to be. It will know, know by the time people hear this. Yeah, but.
2: I will say that it says fancy dress required. And I mean, technically, it's our evening culottes. It is our fancy culottes. So we're not going against the dress code, but we also might be showing up in costume when everyone else is wearing like floor length gowns. And... I stand by our decisions. I don't know. In New York, I'd never, everyone will be insane. Right?
1: Um, so anyway, well, let's get into today's episode. Coming up today, we're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into baths, which is actually one of my gripes because you can't dive deep. Because, in fact, often the bathtub is very shallow. But don't worry. There's even more that I want to complain about. Don't you worry. When it comes to baths, I have an endless supply of complaints, folks. And finally, we have writer, editor, gamer, emmy award winner jason concepcion on the pod jason is the host of crooked media podcast take line and x-ray vision we bitch about everything from indiana jones to british bake-off to fitness journeys so let's get into it let's do it let's start the show All right, horse things first. Let's chat about the worst news of the week. First, a woman in New York is suing Kellogg's, famously the home of the daddiest mascot, Tony the Tiger, (laughs) along with the only known twink thruple in existence, Snap, Crackle, and Pop. (laughs) Anyway, this woman is suing Kellogg's for $5 million Alleging that whole grain frosted strawberry pop tarts are deceiving consumers because they contain other fruit filling ingredients besides strawberry.
2: This is what the legal system was made for.
1: Honestly, God bless the U.S. of A. <laughs> um, I'll I'll put on I'll put on my stars and stripes pants to say I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love I it. I love when people are absolutely just petty litigious five million dollars because your strawberry pop tart has some pears in it (laughs) so yeah according to the suit the name whole grain frosted strawberry toaster pastries is quote false deceptive and misleading because it contains mostly non-strawberry fruit which is a violation of state and federal consumer protection statutes according to the lawsuit um the, the plaintiff claimed that she would not have bought the strawberry Pop-Tarts or at least would not have been willing to pay as much as she did had she known the truth.
2: I'm sorry. If I'm buying something like Pop-Tarts, I'm assuming there is absolutely nothing in there that is remotely real. No, nothing so f- came from the ground. No, to find out that there's actually more fruit in it, to me, is a blessing. Yeah,
1: That None of this is nutritional. I'm I'm on the record as saying I don't think any food is good or bad. It's just food. (laughs) Um, That being said, I think Pop-Tarts are toxic. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a similar suit was filed by the same lawyer representing a different woman in Illinois. Um, Turns out he just kind of loves bringing these types of lawsuits. He literally said, like, I always hated the small thing that you can never get redress for. Maybe you don't get a refund at a store. Maybe you get cell phone charges crammed onto your bill. It's all those little things that we experience every day and support with or accept without a thought. So he's just like, this is on behalf of every time I've gotten charged by a phone company, an extra 10 cents.
2: You know what? I actually feel like that's very unhappy hour of him. I
1: know. That's,
2: that's kind of beautiful.
1: Unfortunately, a hero. <laughs> But yeah, so courts have like tossed out similar lawsuits mainly because one expert was like you would have to show that like in order to support a class action lawsuit, you'd have to show that there's a common belief of how much fruit it actually has.
2: Right. And no one believes that there's actually full on strawberries inside of these Pop-Tarts. No,
1: it's like you're the only one who thinks this. Okay,
2: so we like fully could go to law school. We came to that conclusion before we got to that part of the story.
1: Yeah. Um. One court tossed out a similar case where someone sued um, Quaker Oats over the fact that crunch berries did not contain any berries. (laughs) And the judge wrote, the court is not aware of, nor has plaintiff alleged the existence of, any actual fruit referred to as a crunch berry. (laughs) There is no such fruit growing in the wild or occurring naturally in any part of the world. <laughs> Bam. Imagine standing in front of a judge and, and then being like, Crunchberry is not real. <laughs> anyway, next, a man in Alaska miraculously survived a brutal attack by a 500 pound bear. Oh, shit. By thinking quickly and kicking it in the face. Damn. Yeah. The man uh, who has not been publicly identified, probably because of all the pussy he be getting. Am I right? (laughs) He was riding his bicycle. Okay. Boner gone. Uh, (laughs) Along the Jack River. Boner back. (laughs) Last Tuesday at about 930 a.m. local time when he saw a brown bear, quote, running toward him. Oh, God. So you're just minding your own business on a beautiful Alaskan bike ride when you see a 500 pound bear suddenly charging (laughs) you down. So this man who uh, did not fire the gun he had on him. What? I mean, the one time that you you, you probably would want to use a gun <laughs> is when a bear is chasing you, a 500 pound bear.
2: I love that. Respect nature. Just kick nature in the face. You know, I guess so. What's a cooler story. A bear was chasing me and I shot it in the face or a bear was chasing me and I kicked it in the face.
1: Um, the one that you can tell because you're alive. Which he is. I guess so, but it came close. Yeah. He, the man was bitten just below his right knee before the bear headed off for vegetation and, and left the man, uh, uh, I guess, just on the ground. Okay, so, he so got, the,
2: kick, the kick didn't even, like, get the bear away. It was just the taste of his own blood. And the bear yeah. was like, you know what? Not actually that good. going to go get some veggies instead. Right.
1: So the guy told um, state troopers that he jumped off his bicycle and started yelling at the bear and then fell on the ground before the bear made contact and covered his head. And then he believes he kicked the bear. Okay. Okay. Funny story. Um, I think... If a bear were attacking me, I'd remember all the details. I'd get out my notebook and I'd write it down. Okay. While it was happening.
2: This guy better watch out because this bear is going to listen to this podcast, hear the true story and go and attack him again for taking down his good name. Oh, oh, this bear is being ridiculed by all of his bear friends because they all think he was kicked in the face by a human. Yeah. He wasn't even. We don't even know.
1: Guess who's representing this bear in court? (laughs) Matt Bellasai Esquire.
2: Belisai Finkel.
1: And sons.
2: Belisai Finkel and sons. Yeah. And finally,
1: I'm just going to read the headline on this one because it is that perfect from uh, The Guardian. Quote, vultures who came to stay in a small town bring year of acid vomit and toxic (laughs) feces. She arose. She arose. Um, but also birdwatch 2021. So for the past 12 months, residents of the town of Bun, North Carolina, check out this bun. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, which is a 344 person town have been almost outnumbered by swarms of two-foot-tall vultures. Oh,
2: those are big boys.
1: Yeah. One woman counted 58 buzzards on her property alone. She said they've been slowly destroying her house, her chimney, um, while while they, quote, scatter droppings like liquid business (laughs) cards. Okay. (laughs) A poet. (laughs) She's like, this is my chance to let them know I have a way with words.
2: And she is looking for representation. Yeah. Guess what? We also
1: do literary representation. (laughs) get her a book deal (laughs) at the very least i'm thinking shouts and murmurs Mm -hmm. in the new yorker Mm -hmm. yeah at the very least a cartoon caption please um efforts to disperse these vultures have been complicated by the fact that uh they tend to vomit explosively when roused (laughs) God, we have so much in common, vultures and I. Yeah, it turns out, according to a local naturalist, that vomiting allows them to take flight much faster. So it's not actually an offensive mechanism it's more of defensive mechanism Mm -hmm. or just like a thing that they do before they take flight i
2: feel like that's like a really bad evolutionary situation like you guys know it's like every
1: airport bathroom is fucking disgusting (laughs) because everyone takes a fat shit before they get on a plane
2: i just feel like if you're a bird and your whole thing is like flying then maybe your body should have figured out how to do that without vomiting first
1: i don't know you kill two birds with one stone am i right <laughs> <laughs> that was a pun i don't want to a it. Joke about- <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh this this naturalist was like some people report this as intentional projectile vomiting at approaching people or, or other creatures but it's actually a means of escape um because their, their lessened stomach weight allows them to get away quickly. The other problem is that their f- shit is literally toxic um, <laughs> because of the quality and quantity of food that their digestive systems handle. Strong stomach acids are necessary. So basically these birds can eat 20% of their body weight at a time. Oh, So because they eat so much, their stomach acids are super strong. And so when they shit, it can literally uh, strip the paint from a car. (laughs) That's how toxic (laughs) their shit is. So this poor town has been absolutely devastated by shitting, vomiting vultures that they can't get rid of. Anyway, that's it for this week's Worst Things First. If you want to hear and see even more stories, you can head to my Patreon, patreon.com slash lsi We'll get video of bonus stories and a special separate podcast feed that's basically a bonus episode. It's a bonus episode every week that shows up right in your podcast app. Head to patreon.com slash And next, we're diving deep into baths. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right. Well, I had to go to the doctor this week for an issue that would be too long to elaborate on. It involves my testicles. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) They're fine, according to my doctor. Of course, I was like, I'm dying. This is it. Basically he's like, yeah, sometimes you just, they hurt. <laughs> uh, and, um, my doctor was like, uh, they, oftentimes the best remedy is just like, take a hot bath. I've been steeping my balls like chamomile tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, for the past couple of days I've been, you know, taking a bath, rub a dub dub and up in the tub. And, uh, these are the first baths. I, I've never taken a bath in this apartment before. My last apartment had a beautiful, deep, yacht-sized bathtub. Oh, yeah, it
2: was Instagram ready. Yeah. I could fully swim in there. <laughs> I could
1: submerge. Lapse. Yeah. I needed full scuba gear to be in that bathtub. <laughs> and this bathtub is like oversized sinks. Um, so boy oh boy, have I been stewing, literally like stewing
2: and brewing. But also stewing
1: over the fact that baths are bad. Okay, I'll say it. Baths, I'm sure we've thrown around this opinion before. I'm
2: sure that you actually had baths as a chaser before.
1: Probably, but I guess what?
2: Taking it back, taking it retract. Let the record
1: show. This is a retraction. Baths are a horrible experience from start to finish. (laughs) And it's time we broke down exactly why first i'm six foot three okay i feel like i don't say that enough
2: we need to hear it more it should just be the title of this podcast it's not easy for me to fit in the standard issue bathtub they should make bathtubs like they do dorm room beds twin xl why can't they just have bathtubs be xl
1: Right. In this case, it's just like build a taller bathtub. Yeah. I'm, b- I'm sure I bitched about this previously uh, also, but I, I find this especially in L.A. when we're there is that every house there was built um, for someone that was five feet tall <laughs> I, b- because literally people, it's like theater seats in New York. Like they were literally built at a time when people were smaller. We
2: have evolved. Yeah. We have moved on.
1: Like, we discovered calcium in the <laughs> 70s, and now none of us fit. <laughs> More than likely, it's probably because my parents had me in, like, I, I don't know, I was gonna say the 60s, but I'm not born, <laughs> You're of, a born
2: of the 60s. <laughs> 90s.
1: What is <laughs> happening? They grew up in the 60s, and their bodies were probably affected by the amount of pollutants put in the air. And then I came out a monster baby <laughs> and grew to be six foot three. And now I can't fit in the fucking standard size bathtub. It is egregious to me that certain bathtubs are, quote, deep or like soaking tubs. Like that is a special designation just because they're deep enough to fit an average size human being. (laughs) Make bathtubs that fit everybody at all times.
2: This is where equality is important.
1: Yeah. Also, this is my biggest gripe that I've discovered this week is that all bathtubs come Prefitted with overflow drains that I guess prevent the tub from spilling water all over your bathroom floor if you forget to turn off your water, I guess. But even then, it's like the water is coming out faster than it's going yeah, down. No so you're going to destroy way, yeah. everything no matter what. All you're doing is making it fucking impossible for me to fill up my fucking bathtub beyond like halfway full. The, it makes it so that effectively the tub can only be filled halfway. Yeah. Up to the drain and they put it right in the fucking middle, so that's as deep as it gets. Apparently, this is a common enough problem that they sell covers that you can buy to suction over the drain, the Ridiculous. overflow drain. And I did purchase one, but in the meantime, I was I resorted to literal duct tape. <laughs> and so I duct taped the overflow drain uh shut. It'll be just my luck that I forget to turn it off or it drips all night. I did wake up once in my old apartment. I woke up one night and just out of nowhere and went to the bathroom and my sink was right it was all the way full. I'd woken up at just the right moment okay. to shut it off.
2: So there were definitely ghosts in your apartment who were like, hey, dude, hey, <laughs> dude, 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 you're gonna need to get up for this. It was the
1: previous apartment owners who were very concerned about the value, mm-hmm. who had died, by the way. That's was That was what that was. The point is, if it comes down to choosing between the risk of drowning my entire bathroom and probably ruining every apartment below mine and the reward of covering my belly button and titties with hot water, (laughs) I'm choosing the reward. Okay, I'll take that risk. I'll take that bet. Next. Baths are just cumbersome. Benedict cumbersome.
2: Would you want to see him in a bath?
1: (laughs) Classic 2010 joke. (laughs) I would not. Actually. Yeah, I know.
2: I, I was like, why? Why would you bring that image into our lives to yourself? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess maybe that's how he has to control his body temperature, because that's how cold blooded animals do it. Wow. A bath is just an entire production, and it's compared to the relative ease of just turning a shower head on and getting right in. And I'm not one of those people. I don't believe in turning on a shower head and waiting for it to steam up. Okay? If you do this, you're lying to yourself. No shower in America takes more than at most, and I'm being generous, 60 seconds to reach proper temperature.
2: Okay, you clearly haven't lived in shitty enough apartments.
1: Probably not, but still. (laughs) More than a minute to reach the right temperature. Oh, a
2: hundred percent. Yeah. More than a minute.
1: I don't believe it. Okay. I don't care. Come over did. bitch. Come for me. Come for me. Everyone's like, Oh, let's cancel now because he belongs to the 1% of people who have water that heats up fast. <laughs> you know what? I turned, I turned on my faucet today to get a drink of water and it came out fully beige.
2: Yeah. That's gross. So- <laughs> Remember when you were so excited about your Brita filter, Bet you wish you were using her now. Huh? That's
1: another chaser that I now retract. <laughs>
2: um, But I'll go, I'll double down on that. I think most people
1: who turn showers on before they get in are wasting water. I'll go full Greta Thunberg on this. Thunberg.
2: Love that you're talking about wasting water and you're taking nightly baths.
1: Yeah. I'll reuse the water. Sure. You go look in my bathtub. It's still full. (laughs) Um, No, but I have been forced, so I live in a two bedroom, brag, um, and uh, I never use the second bathroom, but I have been using the second one to take a bath in because that bathtub is actually clean and I'm not about to clean my bathtub well enough. I clean it like on the surface, but I feel like that's the other problem with a bath is that you have to do like a deep clean of your tub or else you're going to see every bit of hair, skin, dirt that has fallen off of you in the last whenever. It's horrific. The main point here is that baths cause more stress than they're worth. The entire point of a bath is supposed to be relaxing. It's supposed to calm your nerves. It's supposed to release your tension. But the steps that a bath requires, I might as well fill my pockets with heavy rocks and, and jump right in. Except I won't even sink that far because the bathtub is only six inches deep. That's what Virginia Woolf did. Did you know that? No. She filled her pockets with heavy rocks and then waded, waded into a river and killed herself. Oh, <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ.
1: It's like a well-known literary suicide. We're learning so much today. This I can hate. tell
2: you everything you want to know about Lord of the Rings behind the scenes filming those three movies. That's where the majority of my brain is taken up, okay? I don't have room for literary suicides. Yeah, you want to hear about Viggo Mortensen bought the horse from the set? For his stunt woman because she couldn't afford it. She was outbid by an exec. And he was like, I got this girl. And bought her a fucking horse. I can tell you about that. Because I just did.
1: Cool. We're, what good is that going to do me?
2: Absolutely nothing.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and also, relatedly, I, I still don't entirely know what a bathhouse is. Because initially I was like, I just assumed it was another name for a sauna. Like a steam room. Yeah. But I guess... I guess a bathhouse is more of like a public pool. Yeah, yeah. Except all the pools are hot tubs. And you
2: can be naked throughout the whole place.
1: Right. It's like a descendant of when people actually needed to go in public to bathe.
2: What if we start like a Soho house, but for nudists? That's essentially what a bathhouse is. (laughs) Don't
1: want that at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway, that's it. (laughs) The point is baths are not relaxing. They cause me too much stress. All I'm all I am is hot and covered in in bubbles and I have to stand up and shower off anyway when I'm done. Let's be real. Uh, A in order to cool down because my body temperature has risen like 15 degrees and B because I'm covered in filth and suds.
2: I finally understand why when you're watching like period piece TV why some really really rich person has like a servant pouring hot water in continuously it's like oh yeah because otherwise this shit don't work so so everybody give up on your baths or get a servant or get a servant
1: and then we'll talk and that is that on that that and i'll tell you that is
2: that your new catchphrase i'll
1: tell you that (laughs) Well, my guest complainer is writer, editor, gamer, reader, NBA super fan. You might know him as the creator and host of the Emmy Award-winning digital series NBA Desktop. Now he's the host of the weekly podcasts Plural, Take Line, and X-Ray Vision, and the weekly YouTube series All Caps NBA. Welcome, Jason Concepcion.
4: Thank you so much for uh giving we're out of time okay I'll, well uh, we'll <laughs> talk about the it later entire- I, i'll i'll get i'll get at you over email thank you for having me i'll talk <laughs> to you later thank <laughs> you matt how are you i'm okay i'm exhausted listening to that the things that i'm doing and it just hit me that but i i'm delighted to be here and i can't wait to just vent to just get a lot of things off my chest
1: Yeah, I mean, this show is about bitching, it's about complaining, so, you know, it's good to put you in a bad mood right away, just by listing everything that you, that exhausts you every day. Yes, thank you. Well, we like to start by asking, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves?
4: I enjoy this aesthetically, and as an entertainment experience, Uh but thematically... In terms of content, plot, character, I hate everything that this person does. And that person is Indiana Jones, the f- okay. the famous archaeologist. You might yeah. – uh, you, you're probably aware of him from Raiders of the Lost Ark, from Temple of mm-hmm. Doom, from The Last Crusade, from the other stuff that uh, – the later movies that were not good. But Indiana Jones – I know you're thinking, oh, he's super handsome and he's so charming and he fought <laughs> the Nazis and all that stuff. Okay. First of all, this guy is a looter. A He is – the first movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, opens with him straight up stealing the cultural heritage of some people in Peru, we, unnamed, right? He sneaks into right. a, to a tomb, steals this golden idol – and then makes off with it. Then he gets it stolen uh, from him by the uh, the, mm-hmm. the evil archaeologist, Belloc, who then we find out is working with the Nazis. What's the difference between those mm-hmm. two guys, other than Belloc didn't do the legwork and go into the tomb and steal it himself? And then uh, Indy escapes with the help of a drunken uh, uh, pilot, who clearly, this is not on the up and up. You know what I mean? Like, this is not... If this was like a real archaeological scientific concern, you would contact the Peruvian government who would then put you in touch with like some kind of cultural uh, group within Peru. You're sneaking in with the help of an alcoholic pilot to steal stuff in the dead of night. And that's basically all he does. And then, listen, if people want to say, oh, but he fought the Nazis, that was really just because they were both competing for the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah yeah, there's really no good way to
1: steal an ancient artifact. No. I mean, <laughs> you're going to have to do something bad. It's it, at least you're not on the side of the Nazis. That's that that would be my defense
4: of, of Indiana Jones. I guess, but it could have been worse. I, well, he, uh, listen, he, according to the original script, started dating his love interest, Marion, when she was 15. That was later retconned to 27 (laughs) in the novelization. That said, at the time of shooting, Mm -hmm. it was 15. The, the, the plot fact at that moment was that that relationship began when she was 15, which puts the, you know, the scene with the student who writes like, I love you on her eyelids in a completely different light. I'll just say that. Yeah. Also, when does he teach? Like, you know, (laughs) like this guy is, is diving into tombs in different parts of the world at all going off to fight the Nazis in the Middle East. When is he in his office to help his students learn about history and archeology span and culture and things? He's not there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I will say uh, based on the limited knowledge that I have of academia, (laughs) it does seem like professors (laughs) basically don't do any teaching. So that tracks for me.
4: (laughs) Indiana Jones. That's fair. Classic
1: professor. That's fair. Rarely in the classroom.
4: And I would also add, listen, I don't want to, there were some extenuating circumstances, but in last crusade, He has a dalliance with a Nazi spy who then—you he -hmm. could say he didn't know at the time that she was a Nazi, whatever. The facts are the facts. They are what they are. Given his
1: history, maybe he should have done some some screening ahead of time. That's all I'm saying. Asked some questions about, you know— That's all I'm saying. Someone that you might— Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, um, my, my Indiana Jones knowledge, relatively limited, but I feel like you are very
4: passionate about this. Well, that's a, th- and so I take your side. Thank you very much. That's it. I, I, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. And now I've got it off my chest and I'll just say <laughs> that. I think that Indiana Jones, it's True, that's it. I just want him to be more culturally sensitive. Don't just go in and steal things, contact actual museums, contact actual uh, groups, cultural groups on the ground and say, Hey, here's a, here's how he could do it. Right. He could say, Hey, I heard tell of this uh, a golden idol that's in this tomb here. I will do the legwork and mm-hmm. go get it for you this cultural group and then we can you know maybe we can do like a sharing thing where we show it at the museum in chicago for a year and then it returns to your whatever but don't just go in and steal stuff again i'm doing it again i'm ranting again like i'm done with it
1: (laughs) i just every adventure movie now it's you have to do the proper paperwork beforehand you have to go through the right bureaucracy the red tape is there for a reason This is a this is a note that is not just applicable I, to I Indiana agree with Jones. You. I agree with you. Yeah. You uh, know too much about pop culture, I would argue. <laughs> too much about too much stuff. I was reading some of the comments on a, a video that you made about Game of Thrones, <laughs> the the newest trailer. Oh, House of the Dragon. And yes. someone said yeah. Someone someone said, I'm grateful that Jason has decided to use his incredible mind for this nonsense.
4: <laughs> I mean, uh, I I agree. It is. But I, you know, I like story. What can I say? What could I say? Yeah.
1: I I clicked on that. YouTube. So you you sort of broke down the trailer for the new Game of Thrones, Amazon show, uh, HBO, HBO show Game of Thrones right. prequel. I do. I mean, I will say I because I'm genuinely curious, like how like especially over the last year and a half, like did your reading like did your ability to retain that information change at all? Because I my brain just got sapped. I'm not even that's not me being like self-deprecating. That's just me being like, no, my
4: brain genuinely stopped working. I think it, it the ability to retain is there um, but what did change over this last, uh, you know, year and a half, two years of pandemic time is just like my ability to sit down and drill down and focus on a thing for any period of time. Like I'll start yeah. reading an article and, you know, in the second sentence, it will mention something you know, rabbits, the, the, uh, how rabbits procreate. And next thing I know, I'm mm-hmm. Googling how do rabbits procreate? And now I'm reading the yeah. Wikipedia page and that will send me down another literal rabbit hole into another thing, into another, and then I, and then eventually I will get back to the first thing that I was reading about. And now I have 40 tabs open and it's, that's what my daily life has been like for the last two years.
1: Yeah, it does feel like, I mean, in defense of some of these, like, big franchises, because now it's like everything is a franchise, uh, and it feels, I think it feels good to, like, spend a lot of time knowing something that you know will at least carry you through to other movies. Uh, When you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I read that fucking bad art friend. I know so (laughs) much about kidneys now. Yeah. That information will never be useful to me ever again. I will never need that information. I know so much about
4: one person's feud. You can explain the feud to people. That's a thing. I mean, that story is truly... (laughs) Talk about... It is wild. Talk about no good, guys. Uh, That is just... uh, I've had heated arguments, raised voices about who is more at fault in that, in that tale than anyone. And I think there you go. You can explain that to people.
1: True. I, I, what I didn't gain in, in practical kind of book knowledge, I gained in human behavior. Um, we have no transitions on I this don't show.
4: Um, so <laughs> it's like, that's what my life is like. That's how I live every day. Yeah. Just whip sawing between topics.
1: Right. I was reading that you, you got into baking bread during the pandemic. Has that, have you kept
4: at it? Are you I'm still baking? Now. I'm done with it now. I went through, I, what had happened was everyone mm-hmm. in the world who had access to an oven and, and recipes for bread, began baking bread for a month into the pandemic. I came to it about mm-hmm. six to eight months too late, maybe a year. And I got really, really into it. And then I was like, I am eating so many carbs, I need to stop. And so I stopped. But for the two to three months I was doing it, it was really great and delicious. Yeah.
1: I do, uh, you know, because I, I was reading... um that it was inspired by the Great British Bake Off. It was. I love that as show. As I think, so yeah. So many people who are now amateur bakers, myself included. It was just because we watched that show, and it's the same thing with any of these other pop culture phenomena, where you're just like, yeah. I I watched three episodes. I now know everything oh, yeah. there is to know about yeast proofing. Yes. How
4: how long it needs to go in the oven? The color of the bread? The sponginess? All of it. I'm yelling, after three episodes, I'm yelling at the screen, you know, Scott, that is going to be stodgy. What is wrong with you? I don't put matcha in that. Have you not watched the show? (laughs) Turmeric, what are you doing? Don't, you don't have enough time to do this. Yeah. What I also love about the British Bake Off in
1: particular is that because there is that slight kind of cultural, uh, there's, it's like. You know, British people they they are mo- we mostly overlap in in the baked goods department, right. but there's just enough of a there difference a where I'm like that is a terrible fucking idea. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Why are you doing that? That flavor does not go together. Yeah, it's I was realizing through watching this that you know, a a common trope in culture writ large is that uh, the English uh have a very poor cuisine. Mm -hmm. in the context of world cuisine. Very gray. Very gray. But I think that clearly their excellence at baking is a reaction to this kind of like gray boiled cuisine that they have because then they were like, okay, what can we do with this? How about we throw it in a cake? Take all of this Mm -hmm. stuff that is weird, throw it in a cake and bake that forever and maybe something good will come out of it and I think that has happened.
1: That's true. They're overcompensating, and
4: that is that is
1: proof that bullying works. <laughs> we <laughs> we did enough bullying about British cuisine that they they felt like they had to make up for it.
4: I um, one of the things I love about the Great British Bake Off, uh, in addition to as, as you were saying about like the differences, like whenever they do little biographical hits where it's like, oh, Toby is likes to play a you know, chamber music with his family. And then they'll cut to it and it'll be like Toby, his wife and his like teenage son and they're and then they're playing like viola, violin and cello in the living room as (laughs) Uh you do, I'm like, this is the most British shit I have like I have ever seen. (laughs) It looks like they're waiting for their Hogwarts letter. Like this is insane. And all of these hits are exactly like that. And then the fact they're so nice to each other. Like that's not – in America, our reality shows are like, I hate that person. I want them out. I will do anything to get them out. And there it's like if someone seems like they're in trouble, everybody is like holding hands and they are crying. And it is so generous and loving. And I love that about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I did see a tweet where someone was like – I I do love that everybody is nice to one another, but there is no prize. Therefore, there is no (laughs) money. Like in America, the American shows are like, well, my mother is uh, in hospice and like I need this money or she
4: and my entire family will die. And so it's like yeah, that it's more cutthroat. It's yeah, it's like I can't afford insulin for my mom. Right. And so this means literally means everything to me because we have no safety net and we're not going to make it. And then over there yeah. it's like hey, you've won. Here is a beautiful garland uh, uh, you know of roses <laughs> and a baking pan. Congratulations. Yeah. And then everybody is absolutely thrilled. Mhm. Mhm. Uh,
2: I
1: just love that the prize is the most kind of fragile object that you can possibly have in your house. <laughs> I want a survey of how many of the winners have broken their cake plates because i I would absolutely shatter that if it was in my home. I have gathered that you are, are sort of in a like uh, a fitness, uh, a kind of mode. I don't even know what to call it. I mean, I I am 6'3". Um, I'm a tall king, as, as congratulations, we're not called because <laughs> nobody gives us any credit.
4: <laughs> Lincoln, what can't, the whole thing? Um, you get credit. Uh, Stop it.
1: <laughs> we're nobody tells it's like you don't tell a hot person. Never mind. That was going to be a, an analogy <laughs> that didn't, there was no joke there. It was just, <laughs> uh, so I'm tall. I think it is so much easier for shorter people to go to the gym and see results faster. There's so much more of my body that has to um, that has to change. I think you're right about in that. order to gain a muscle. I,
4: I I'll give you that. and I think that's true. I think that the flip side of that is. Um, you that scoop of ice cream after nine o'clock or whatever—it's there. You—it's st- like all of that stuff. Five pounds at five five is a big effing deal. Like it—it's a—it's <laughs> a huge problem. Okay, okay, I see where you're coming from. <laughs>
1: uh How have you been? Kind of like a gym bro for a no. while. So I mean, I mean it's Barry. Barry has told me repeatedly that when you two first connected, um, that for some reason she mentioned deadlifting, and now um, and now every time you speak, you mention deadlifting.
4: Well, because Barry was like something I don't even remember. Producer Barry, super producer uh, Barry, I don't even remember how this came up, but we were working together on a previous project, uh, the found mm. the official foundation pod on Apple TV. And I don't know how it came up, but we started talking about lifting and she's like, yeah, deadlifting, blah, blah, blah. I have a trainer. And then so the bit is whenever I talk to Barry or see Barry is what are you lifting right now? What is your bench? Here's what I did. Mm -hmm. I'm on the big boy. uh, I'm on the big boy dumbbell rack now, which is true. I recently transitioned to uh, 40s in the chest press for the uh, for the. Chest press with the dumbbells, so that means mm-hmm. I'm officially on the big boy rack. I have graduated past the thirty fives, and I'm other, I'm at the one rack <laughs> that's all it. the way at the other side of the room. I have to go there. Right. I don't have my own rack, and I get to take that walk of victory and say, "Look at this! I am going to get these big weights." That's me.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that for you. Congratulations. Thank you. It does feel good. I, my trainer once told me that it is. It's not about how much weight you lose. It's about how much weight you can lift. And I thought that was the stupidest fucking thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> but it is. It is true that that is like a a, a better, more healthy way to track progress. It is, is true. Like that is a more healthy way you're to do it. you gaining strength. <laughs> but it is good. I find it helpful to have someone who who at least kind of has that mentality where it's not like, you know, okay, you're, you're at least pointing me in a good direction right. and we're focused on, on trying to gain strength, I guess. But like, I don't want strength for anything. That's you don't the want problem. functional <laughs> strength. Like no- what
4: if, I mean, just like spitballing, like what if society collapses and then all of a sudden like you're going to need that functional strength to like, I don't know, kick open like a door or something or like hit like some kind of like post apocalyptic mad max raider in the face with like a brick or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've thought about this genuinely um about how how much kind of marginal strength <laughs> I would have to gain in order for it to improve my chances in an apocalyptic situation. And I just don't think given my entire personality <laughs> and everything else <laughs> That even a even a relatively large amount of strength gained is really gonna do me that much good. but
4: you've got the size. I'll still cave. I think you've got the size too. like at 6'3", three, you're an intimidating presence. uh, and I think that you once you unlock that, I think you, I think that you would be a beast in the post-apocalyptic wasteland. I think
1: my my large presence has. It's helpful in a, like, I'm walking home at sure. night situation. Uh, it's not always helpful, I would say, in or, or I would imagine, in a apocalypse. Because I just, I think in that situation, it's more like willpower. And I have no willpower. I don't either.
4: I mean, part of the reason that I go to the gym, which, again, is a more recent invention in my life, is because, like, if I'm at mm-hmm. home, I will not do anything like when it when it was pandemic like the heat of it and of course it is ongoing still but like when it was like the the mm-hmm. beginning of quarantine and everything was shut down and i was like okay well i'm gonna stay in shape by doing this i would be like okay here's a set of whatever's you know curls and then i'd be like woo that was intense let me sit down for five minutes and then i'd get and then 10 minutes later i'd be like i guess i'll do that second set and that's how it happens so i have to go somewhere out of my comfort zone and have someone be like that that's good you're doing good look at how look at how good you're doing and i need that because i also just have no focus no willpower at all no, me neither. I uh, uh, that's why I'm like I need someone
1: to yell at me. There was a couple months where I tried kind of taking off or my trainer would like send me uh, a, a kind of like list of things to do on my own. Um and I I slacked off too much <laughs> and now I'm back to seeing him on FaceTime and I have to kind of pretend like I'm doing like I did yeah. the things, but he can absolutely tell that I didn't progress at all. So, um, fortunately he doesn't listen to this podcast and he will <laughs> never know, but he does. He can tell he's like, you didn't do what I told you, did you? Cause this
4: would be, so easier. are you noticing, do you have and any like, results? Well, do you, do you, is there anything that you go, look at that, that, that I feel better. And that, and that has worked.
1: Not when I was like on my right. own on when he was just sending me stuff, I was like, no, I yeah. At at best, I didn't get any weaker, but I did not get any stronger. That is, <laughs> so I'll take that. But yeah, we're I'm like, well, that seems a little bit. Maybe he'll he'll throw out a number that I'm supposed to pick up, and I'm like, no, that's not going to work for sure. Um,
4: at I want to ask you quickly at six three, because here is a small rant that I have about online shopping, I believe that it should be a law, uh-huh. federal law, that all online shopping sizes and measurements should be standardized because I, like many of you who are probably listening to this, I will online shop on occasion and then I'll look at the thing and I'll be like, mm-hmm. that looks nice. Maybe I'll buy that. And then it, and then I'll look at the picture and I'll flip through the pictures and I say, oh, great. And then I'll look at the caption and it will say uh, model is six foot two wearing a medium. And I'll think, how is can how does that make sense at all? Yeah, it's also not that that
1: information does absolutely nothing (laughs) that conveys. It's like it conveys
4: a conversion (laughs) that my brain cannot do. Right. If there's media, if there's small, medium. Large, extra large, and occasionally extra extra small. I don't understand how the gradation from medium at six foot two, how does that, what is the small? Five, 11? Yeah. Um, Well, we're getting near the end. Yeah. Um,
1: So you are uh, working on like a thousand different shows um, by my count. Um, The latest of which I believe is X-Ray Vision, right? That's correct. So um, tell us what X-ray vision is.
4: X-ray vision is a show uh, in which myself and a panel of experts, a panel of expert co-hosts, uh, discuss and talk about a- and explore kind of like the big goings on in pop culture, specifically from the kind of through the kind of like nerd pop culture for lack of a better term lens. So that mm-hmm. would mean the uh, the new uh, sci-fi epic by denny villeneuve starring timothy chalamet dune which is adapted mm-hmm. from the uh, frank herbert uh, novel and series of novels one of the kind of like iconic uh, stories in sci-fi and we'll cover uh, various uh, movies in the marvel cinematic universe the most recent mm-hmm. uh, being uh, the eternals which we will cover once that comes out we covered, you know, the uh, we'll, we'll we will surely cover the House of the Dragons Game of Thrones prequel. We will cover all kinds of stuff like that and we'll do uh, deep dives into the kind of like cultural and historical relevance of some of these things. And we'll talk to uh, really interesting people who have uh, particular insights about these topics. Um, and then we'll play fun games and stuff at, at the end. I love it. I, I was listening to a bunch of episodes
1: getting ready for today and just, I mean, I, uh, you cover so much that I need, I feel like I need to do my, my, my homework and, and watch some of the things, but there is enough for, for everybody. There is enough for everybody. For sure. I am trying to catch up. I like just watched all of the Marvel movies for the first time. And now they announce like 50 more of them that I'm going to have to, you know, and and now it's not just a movie. There's a whole series. And so it's just I love feeling like I'm doing homework when I'm (laughs) watching my entertainment.
4: (laughs) I know. I will say that that is the one the drawback. And I love (laughs) what I do for a living. And I'm very thankful to be able to do it. But the one drawback is like. Basically, the thing that I, you know, like, it's very hard to just unplug and be like, "Oh, I'm just watching this for entertainment. It's like Vanderpump Rules is basically the only thing now that I can just be like, I'm gonna throw this on and I'm just like, not, I won't have to think about it or talk about it or dissect it. I just want to see what that what Lala Kent is up to next.
1: Yeah. Well, where can people, I mean, we've, we've touched on sure. almost all, all of the things, but where can people find you and all of the things that you do? Uh,
4: th- my podcast, uh take line about sports and the culture and various intersectionalities around sports comes out every Tuesday. That's co-hosted with two-time WNBA champion, Renee Montgomery. Uh, Extra vision comes out on Wednesdays. That is the nerd pop culture web show. My uh, uh, web series, All Caps NBA, returns the uh, second week of the NBA season. That will drop every Friday on YouTube. And then uh, follow me on social media, N-E-T-W-3-R-K, on all your social media platforms.
1: All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that help all the bad shit go down easier. Starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we can take to make our world a little bit better. What do we highlight? in this week, I wanted to highlight, I wanted to talk about a certain company that has been in the news a lot the past couple of weeks whose name I'm afraid to say because they are powerful and probably watching all of us not that one the other one founded by a certain fart fart muckerberg am I right got him but yeah if you if you haven't been reading the news that company has basically been you know Certain documents have revealed what we've known for a long time, which is that it's not very great for our mental health, but also um, their platform is sort of set up to encourage the type of hate speech that overwhelmingly targets uh, minorities, people of color, and amplifies voices that are harmful to those groups and just overall horrible and terrible. (laughs) And so... I think just in addition to educating yourself about ways that you can advocate um, for the internet to be better for everybody and less filled with hate speech and conducive to... Uh, everyone not going on and just feeling like shit all of the time
2: um what would that be like
1: I don't know imagine a world well I guess you can because there is um, a group of activists who are doing a Facebook blackout a log out day um or a few days actually it's called facebooklogout.com where um, they're asking people to take a pledge to log off uh, for a few days in November November 10th through 13th um just to say, you know, we want Facebook to be better and not a place that amplifies content that is not good for people. So we can include a link to that boycott day. But at the very least, I hope everyone is is staying on top of the Facebook news.
2: If you need a a good podcast that kind of talks about a lot of that stuff. There's one that we listen to in my household called Tectonics from WFMU. We can also link to that. Ooh. Yeah.
1: I'll listen to it. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's talk about the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you've been watching?
2: I have been watching the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, I'm so yes. glad it's back. Mm-hmm. It's such an uh, insane show. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been watching. And I've continued with the premise, which I'm really loving. It's so good. It's so funny.
1: Yeah. The yes. last episode of The Premise might be like one of my favorite hours of television.
2: We haven't watched that one yet. We just watched The Commentator, the one that Gia Tolentino co-wrote.
1: Right, right.
2: So yeah, those are some of the TV shows I'm watching. I I still haven't watched the first episode of Insecure, and I'm really excited to watch that too. Yeah. What about you? What are you watching this week?
1: Also watched Curb. Um, also watched Succession this oh. week. <gasps> <gasps> oh,
2: it's so
1: good. I literally was flying back... From Phoenix and I was like, I cannot get on this airplane until I've watched both Curb and Succession. <laughs> Mostly because I knew Succession would be spoiled, even though it's like impossible yeah, to spoil that yeah. show. Um, which is why I kind of love I mean you're just along for the ride. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing to really spoil. Um but the main thing I watched uh, that you have talked about is only murders in the building. Uh, I finally yes, watched. Yes. Um, yeah. It was, it's like super campy and ridiculous, yeah. but I do love Steve Martin and Martin short.
2: The cast was pretty great.
1: Yeah. I also do. I was looking up because Nora Ephron lived in a building on the upper west side that she's like written about. And I, it became like a fantasy of mine to live in that building mm-hmm. and, at first i thought that they were parading that building or filming in that building and it's not she lived in the apthorpe
2: (laughs) what (laughs) every name
1: name... first of all i just love a building that has a name yeah yeah amazing uh and b all of the names are ridiculous apthorpe the apthorpe
2: (laughs) that's so hard to say (laughs) what is your non-tv chaser My non-TV chaser, and i got to be honest, I've tried to scale back talking about my obsession with Phoebe Bridgers on this podcast, but it it was a significant part of my pandemic experience was listening to her albums nonstop Mm -hmm. and fantasizing about seeing her live. And I saw her in LA. I went to the concert. It was spiritual. (laughs) It was divine. It was everything I could have wanted and more. And I loved it because... Every single song you could hear at the beginning, people kind of like whispering the words to the song. And then by the end of every single song, everyone was like, fuck it. We all know every single word because we've all been doing the same thing for the <laughs> past you know, year and a half.
3: Uh huh. Um,
2: and it was so that sense of community was like really beautiful. And another perfect example of that was she's been doing in a truly incredible cover of that funny feeling from Bo Burnham's special Inside. Uh-huh. And at the show that I was at in L.A., Bo Burnham was in the row in front of me. (laughs) And during the encore, watching him watch 5,000 people sing every word of a song he wrote at a time when he felt most alone that we listened to at a time that we felt most alone was one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed. Yeah, It was incredible. And I'm like still on I'm still on a high off of that concert. She definitely sings at every show. Almost every show from this tour, she did an encore. Like there are a bunch of videos of it. So that's my chaser. Um, And I'm sure that my chaser next week will be Halloween because I'm sure I'll have also a spiritual experience being Barb and Star. But um, yeah. What about you? What's your non-TV chaser? Uh,
1: I will also go a musical route and Uh say that uh, I am thoroughly enjoying the reappearance of one miss Adele
2: oh yes
1: Um, I just love everything that she's done since announcing her album like every new bit of Adele media that comes across my feeds I'm just yes I love it I mean yeah I mean I just love every Adele song I'm ready to like turn all the lights out stare out the window blast easy on me uh in every other album just kind of ruminate over a divorce that I've never had (laughs) And yeah, but also like every interview that she gave, she did uh, the 73 questions with Vogue, which Ooh, was... Ooh,
2: I haven't watched it yet, but I love those. They're so dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, she ended up doing even more and it was it was like 90-something questions because guess what? All of the numbers of her albums add up to the number of questions that she... alert: wow. She never says that, but it's like at the end she's like, we'll stop there and it's on like 90-something and it's because it's what 19 plus 21 plus 25 plus 30.
2: I'm not doing that math right now.
1: It's 95, I believe. Anyway, that. the point is, love Adele. I think, I know people say this all the time, but like, I feel like I would genuinely be friends with her. <laughs> <laughs> also, she did tweet at me once. Oh my God. I uh, forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. If you want more Unhappy Hour shit, and obviously you do, you can head straight to my Patreon page where you'll get video of bonus Worst Things First stories, video of our extended guest complainer interviews, And an entire separate podcast feed of all the bonus stories every single week. So it's basically like a second day of Unhappy Hour stuff that you get right in your feeds. You can buy some merch at unhappyhourshop.com. As always, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Wherever you get podcasts, follow us, rate us, review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, Arlene Arevalo, and me, Matt Bellassai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Dale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellassai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter and Unhappy Hour on Instagram for all the latest podcast buzz. (sighs) You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600. Rant! That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. bye 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 Seagulls in the sand. Can you hear my prayer?